0: Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Near. I'm Brett, and today we're here to talk about the highly anticipated release of Gearbox Entertainment's Borderlands 3. Fair warning to everybody out there. Uh, There are going to be some minor spoilers in here. We're going to try to stay away from too much of the story yet as uh, Walker and myself have not yet even completed it in full, Um, but we are going to talk about some other aspects of the game. So if you don't want anything about Borderlands 3 spoiled to you at all, I'm not exactly sure why you picked up this podcast, but we certainly appreciate it and we'll see you uh, once you have played through some. So,
1: Walker, Borderlands 3. Yeah, super super excited about it borderlands two and and then the pre-sequel and tales from the borderlands are are some of my favorite games um and was pretty excited about borderlands 3 and didn't it kind of snuck up on me i I, there's so many games now it's kind of hard (laughs) for me to keep track of what's being released when sometimes right uh and it really wasn't until it was about a week before it was coming out that i realized like oh it's coming out this week so um yeah we picked it up and have been playing it since launch night and um yeah, I've been having a blast with it. I think it's, uh, I think it's excellent. No, same.
0: And I, I know that originally I was thinking about because I'm, I'm kind of against having any more than one launcher, but I'm, I'm slowly releasing my grip on that because um, I wasn't really planning on picking Borderlands up. You know, I, I, didn't let myself get too overhyped about it. I also love Borderlands too, um, and and the story of Borderlands games, but I, I tend to be on like a several year lag on as far as my entertainment. Like I, I don't usually see movies when they come out in the theaters. I don't usually play games on release. I'm pretty thrifty in my pricing. And, and you had been like, hey, Borderlands is coming out. We should play this week. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And you're like, oh, come on. So I, <laughs> I, I gave in. It wasn't it didn't take too much convincing, especially because last time um, I had originally gotten Borderlands 2 and played solo um, but then I ended up picking it up with you and a, and a couple of other friends and we had all played together and I realized how much a different of a game it mm-hmm. wants to play with others. And it, when it wouldn't seem like that at the, on the outset.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, more fun with, with co-op. Uh, and honestly, you know, if you don't have people, you know, listeners, if you don't have people that are, that are also have already purchased a game to play with. And I would, I would probably recommend jumping into the matchmaking, um, I don't know it, it. It's kind of Borderlands is similar to Diablo in so many ways, with you know the loot system and that kind of thing, and it's kind of similar in in co op. Whereas I, I would argue that Diablo is just a more fun game with other people in the party, and I think Borderlands is also that way. Um, although I would argue that in Borderlands it's even more so because in Diablo there's not as much you know strategy you could say, or I don't know, there it's, it's not as hard to do everything pretty much the same, but in Borderlands, when you've got another person, you can flank and you can, you know, use positioning to, to gain advantages in firefights. Um, or just
0: having somebody drive and somebody shoot or, or having vehicles, two different vehicles and, and kind of talking about mm-hmm. that other stuff. One thing right. that you do kind of bring up there, um, is, there is a, another similarity between Borderlands 3 and, and specifically Diablo 3 in that there is now a more cooperative, cooperative mode uh, for multiplayer mm. where they have what they call co- cooperative and coopetition, mm-hmm. um, where coopetition is more like Borderlands 2, where whatever loot drops is everybody sees the same thing. And if one person picks it up, it's theirs. Um And Borderlands 3 offers that same original mode, but and also uh, if two players are different levels, uh, they are just scaled at whatever level they are in that mode. And then in cooperation mode, uh, loot is instanced, so whatever loot you see is yours, and if one person is lower level, they are automatically scaled up to meet the highest level person in the party. So their damage and health and shields and all that will just automatically scale up.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, that was as many things are great about you know the Diablo franchise, uh, which we've covered in the Diablo episode of Pick Up Your Sticks that you should listen to if you haven't, listeners. Um, but that was probably one of my you know favorite features of Diablo three, and it was the first time that I had encountered it. I don't know that it's the first time that it's ever been done, but this instant loot idea, um. In games that are so loot centric, like Diablo or like Borderlands, the the instance loot just reduces headaches so much. I mean, you can still trade and we do all the right. time, you know, and we or we'll just get,
0: drop gear for each other. Like, hey, class, modern, yeah, you
1: know, right. Or like different guns and stuff, you know, yep. um, there's just so it, it still gives you the freedom to share with your friends, but it removes that feeling of like the boss just died and it explodes in the shower of loot and there's one legendary right. and it's like who can click it the fastest
0: or in, even even in a friendly game there's that tension of like ah, well i don't want to feel like i'm trying to ask for everything you know or i don't want to feel like i'm greedy by trying to take every you know it just removes all of that you don't have to worry about it at all
1: right yeah yeah i mean i i've and it just yeah it, absolutely what you said it, it just it just simplifies the experience a lot and again even if it wasn't going to be a drama situation where you're mad about it like you said it just eliminates right. any feelings of 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 missing out even because maybe maybe i've grabbed the last 3 drops and so it's clearly your turn to pick up the drop but this new drop is way cooler than any of the right. 3 i picked up before now I don't have that, that miss out feeling. Exactly. Um,
0: And and I think, you know, even, even still, it basically doubles the amount of loot that you have access to. So in situations where like you and I, I was in a situation where I really wanted to have, I I was building a very specific build, which we'll get into it a little bit later. And, and I needed, or could use a very specific type of gun and a specific type of grenade. And I was like, well, I can just ask him like, Hey, if you see something along these lines drop, do you care if I take a look at it to see if it's better than what I've got? Cause mine's getting outleveled by the enemies that we're facing. Mm-hmm. You know? And that way, I mean, I'm not like, I'm still looting whatever I can. And I was, I'll trade you for it equal value. So you, you can, you know, sell it or whatever, or, you know, but it just, it, it made it a lot easier to ask for something like that. Cause I was like, Hey, if you see it, just let me know. Otherwise yep. I don't care what loot you know, and of course show off you if you get something awesome, which we've done a lot of, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not worried if there's only one gun dropping and, and I've got to try to make a case about why I need it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think you know I'd like to, to kind of take on some of the criticisms of the game um, just head on so right. we can get those out of the way and then, and then get into everything that we like about it, which is most of it. Um, I would say the first criticism that people have is the one that you already brought up, which is that it's in it's an epic exclusive. Uh, so it's not on Steam. You can only get it through the Epic Launcher, which there's a lot of controversy over that right. <laughs> That's that's existence. Um, which I, you know, I kind of get. Unfortunately, it's a trend that that spans all digital media at this point. It seems you know you've got you've got multiple music streaming services, you've got multiple TV and movie streaming services. Right. Apple versus games- Android. Right. And with games, it, it's the same kind of thing. You're seeing these companies fragment uh, off into their own little separate pockets. I think eventually the pendulum will swing the other way. I know that that good old games is supposedly developing a launcher that will encompass your entire game library. But yeah, I
0: did hear something about that.
1: I don't know exactly how it works because it's not um, – I mean, it, at the end of the day – it's you're still going to be launching a Steam game through Steam or an Epic game right. through Epic, so I don't know. But but one thing that's nice is that even if people decide to to wait until it launches on Steam, which it will six months after launch, so next next uh, spring, um, there's not any cross platform concerns because you're still playing on PC, right? So yeah, you're still signing into a, with your Borderlands account, if you will, it's a Gearbox account, I think, right. but that's all still tied. So, uh, you'll still be able to play with your friends, you know, later, even, even so, For sure. um, the other, the other criticism that the game has gotten, and I, I would have to agree, unfortunately, it, it's somewhat fair is, uh, is there's just some performance issues that plague it. Yes. Um, I personally have ran into them, uh, a bit and have had really, it's just issues with frame rates dropping. Now I don't have a, a beastly, you know, gaming machine, do I, uh, I yeah. So, so to their credit, <laughs> I'm not killing it on my hardware, but um, I can play everything else at at, at least medium or low without any issue. Right. And in this, I'm just, I'm hit, like I said, I'm hitting frame rate drops. Luckily there's, there's already a lot of people who have played around with the settings and, and I, I found a YouTube video of a guy just breaking down the different settings and the effects that they have and what he used to optimize his experience and following that guide, I was able to, to get a lot higher frame rates. It's still not, it's still not a stable 60, but I'm staying in the, you know, dipping into like the forties at worst now, which right. is playable. So I don't
0: generally notice it. I mean, granted I play on, I don't have a, a terrible PC. It's about a five-year-old, uh, Republican gamers gaming laptop. Um, but I, I found that anything, if I tried to mess with any setting other than just default, that Mm -hmm. it would have some kind of problem in some way. Um, And I I did see, you. we had talked about how you had found some videos and guides on on changing some settings up. But to be fair, like, it it loaded. I didn't even realize it loaded at lowest settings. Um, And it still looks gorgeous. Like, I I didn't realize that until maybe the second or third day that we had played around with it. I was like, oh, yeah, let me check out what the video settings are at. Let me see, you know, what it's got in there. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I mean... I may not be, there may be some set of settings that would work better, but honestly, I don't really even care to mess with it because it to to me, it looks great the way it is. I wasn't seeing a huge amount of difference. Some in the shadows, but I, I didn't, you know, I played around with it some. I did some of their, they have an internal benchmark that I benchmarked at a couple different places. And I was like, I feel like mm-hmm. the game runs fine. Outside of loading, when I first load into the, like my first time loading into the game into a zone, um, but just the first zone, I'll, I have to, in single player anyway, I have to sit and wait for about 30 seconds for it to kind of catch up. But I don't have that problem changing to another zone or another planet or anything like that. It It's just that one time for me. So that's mm-hmm. fine. Whatever.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like I said, you know, I, despite that, I've still had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, we've been playing it really as much as we could. I've had family in town recently, so we weren't able to play just every single night for six hours straight or something. but we've, Couldn't quite we've got, know
0: life it, but it's all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we've got plenty of time in it, and, it, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I would say the other criticism that I've heard and, and seen most places is really just about the nature of the game itself. Um, the two complaints I've seen from you know reviewers, I guess you could say, I'm using air quotes with that, uh, would be that the humor is – you know, sophomoric and that the uh that the game is just more borderlands. And I disagree with both of those sentiments pretty strongly. Now to say that this, the <laughs> there's not sophomoric humi- humor would be disingenuous. There is. Uh, the game has lots of crass references and ridiculous puns and you know just silly stuff. But just like in in the other Borderlands games, it also has some really, really dark humor. That right.
0: <laughs> well, and it, it goes some places that I'm not sure if it went there intentionally because I've done, at least in the starter zone, I've played through three characters now, one with you mm. and two on my own. Um, and I didn't get the same responses, so I'm wondering if some of the things that we heard, um, specifically during Claptrap's Antenna Quest, I'm not sure mm. if the, the order we heard some things in was intentional or not, but it was really funny either
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... I mean, the the writing I still think is great. I mean, the writing in Borderlands 2 was, was some, one of the best that I had seen in a game. Um, and, and Tales from the Borderlands is... a rare title that actually elicited a strong emotional response from me. Now it didn't make me, actually, that's not true. I did get sad and I won't spoil it, but there's a part in, in Borderlands or tales from the Borderlands, uh, where a certain character dies that I wasn't expecting. And it, I don't know that I cried literally or teared up, but it, I, I felt a pretty strong sadness. Like I was surprised. Um, and laugh out loud funny most of the way through. And it's the same, it's the same thing in this, uh, and not that not that the only funny things aren't the really highbrow jokes or something. There is also just you know ridiculous jokes about mustaches and stuff. I don't right. know. Right. So, just...
0: Sometimes well played toilet humor can still be hilarious. Right. And and I I don't think that they overuse that type of humor. I think the mm-hmm. only thing that bothers me a little bit in kind of in my you know, especially in my other playthroughs as well, is just that I end up disliking some of the main characters more mm-hmm. or almost as much as I dislike the bad guys and it, it like when when we're sitting there waiting like just want the character to finish talking so we can do their side quest and we're wanting to shoot them more than we want to shoot the bad guy that's I mean it can be funny once or twice or if one character is that way, like I'm the annoying character. But it, it to me it feels like a lot more characters are that like they're doubling down on it, which isn't always bad. But not every for me, not every joke was a zinger.
1: No, certainly not every joke lands. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the way a lot of people feel about Claptrap is that yeah. he is overused and irritating. And I personally love Claptrap. I do think he's love hysterical. Clap-trap. So. That's a it's a subjective thing to some extent, but right. But if my you point didn't is,
0: like the 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 humor in Borderlands two, you won't like it in three. It's not that's true. Yeah, it's it hasn't changed. But color. if you did like it, then there will at least be pieces that you like.
1: Right, but but so it's it's not that there's you know it's not that every single joke is hilarious or that they don't you know that they're just the most brilliant comedic minds or something. You know, it's not South Park. Right, um, <laughs> but. But at the same time, you know, just this this sentiment that people have that I think is just full of pretension where it's like, well, I've grown up past that sense of humor. Now it's like, shut up. No, you haven't. Like, <laughs> well, if you have, then you're boring anyway. So, you know, whatever. I, I don't have time for it. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, like I said, people are saying that a complaint that I've seen in several reviews is uh, or thoughts on the game, you know, is uh, that it's just more Borderlands. And I think that that's what it's supposed to be.
0: I mean, it's it's to me, it's yes and no. I think you and I talked about it, and the distinction that I think we came up, the, the best metaphor for it, was that it's the difference between StarCraft Brood War and StarCraft II. You could say that StarCraft II is just more StarCraft, and it is, but it's also a full graphics overhaul, a full story overhaul, a full tech tree overhaul everything about the game works differently while maintaining
1: familiarity right like, and, in a, and i think in all ways in a good direction
0: yeah i think every i think every direction has has something pretty good to say for it um i have a few complaints with the game but i, I think if we want to like dive into kind of the mechanics focus i think this is a good place to do that and and i think that all of mechanic wise everything that was good about Borderlands two is insanely good about Borderlands three.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just, you know, Borderlands is a game that, I mean, I remember when the first Borderlands was coming out, which I actually didn't play the first one. Um, but I remember reading about it when it was coming out. And the, the big thing was that there was just this infinite loot table, basically. Uh, and that was a, a pretty unique thing for an FPS like that. Right. and, and so there's just such a huge variety of guns and and grenades and, you know, different weapons that you get and, and the shields that you pick up and the different effects that they will have beyond that it shoots bullets or that the grenade right. explodes or whatever. And they've just added more to all of that. Yeah, they really I think have all of the additions they have. Yeah. Super interesting. I think that, you um, know,
0: on top of all of the un- corporations having kind of a unique fit and feel to their guns most of them double down on that by further distinguishing the different corporations and giving alternate fires to a lot of guns and just bringing in a lot more unique effects and random things that your guns can do a lot more of the specialized red text on guns. It's not just for legendaries anymore. And those can, can add so many other things, just so many more modifiers, so many more types
1: of gun and grenade and shield. And I think that's awesome right right yeah no i agree um i don't know i mean it's kind of it, to some extent in my opinion it's kind of like if it's not broke don't fix it kind of right. mentality where yeah it's more borderlands but borderlands was already successful so that's what it should be whereas again to go back to a diablo comparison you know i think diablo 2 was a was a graduation from diablo 1 but diablo 3 actually takes a pretty different direction i mean it fundamentally obviously it's still the same but but Diablo three I think changed too much fundamentally from Diablo one and two, and left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. I mean, again, not to rehash everything about Diablo. A lot it's improved a ton since it launched, and, and it's still got a pretty big player base. But um,
0: yeah, I mean, it is it is a similar but different game. Whereas I think Borderlands the the thing is is it's not same enough to feel like it's not DLC. Like there is a distinction to be right. made there, that it is not just like, oh gee, I'm paying for a $60 DLC for Borderlands 2. No. Like the the graphics engine is completely different. The skill trees work completely different. There's new characters, whole new storyline, mm. complete overhaul of I I mean it it is a they keep the style and go further by by doing that. I mean, there was a live demo years back where they were talking about when they first teased Borderlands three and they were talking about live shadows in cell shading and live generation of their cell shading effect. And I think they've pulled it off just amazingly. It looks
1: Mm -hmm. so good. Yeah, that's actually, you know, so I I do remember from Borderlands one development, originally it wasn't that look originally they were going for this photorealistic style game, you know, like battlefield or call of duty or, or whatever you want to say. Um, and and then kind of last minute just decided to completely overhaul it with this cell shaded almost animated look and I I love it I mean it's when we first started playing Borderlands 2 I was just so blown away by by just the the visual style of it I mean it's it's not photorealistic again it's cell shaded and I I love it now I also am just a huge fan of that I I'm a person who thought that uh, Wind Waker for the GameCube was a very beautiful game, whereas a lot of people don't like that style, so <laughs> fair I enough. I like the
0: style. I didn't like it as Zelda, but that's a different mm. one. <laughs> sure, sure. But no, I think um, I think that Borderlands pulls off a... You believe in the world and the things that are happening in the world more, because there almost is more... Like, if it were too realistic, you would expect more realistic things. But since it is kind of this fantastical style, your brain, at least for me, just allows that suspension of belief to, like, yeah, I can fall off of any height and not take damage. Yeah, I can have a shield, a gun that shoots smaller guns or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And it, in fact, feels like it's part of the world and, and be mm-hmm. okay with it.
1: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, again, yeah, yet another Blizzard franchise, but. It's kind of similar to the way I feel about uh, World of Warcraft graphics, where, uh, you know, it, it definitely does have kind of a cartoony vibe to it. But exactly what you just said, it's also something that they're able to apply just to everything. Whereas photorealistic games often, you know, maybe the gun looks really good and the bad guy looks really good but the tree looks terrible because right. they didn't it's two dimensional well.
0: leaves or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so then it, it, it almost breaks the immersion because things don't fit because right. not everything can be the same fidelity. And in these more cartoony style games, you just get, you get a really consistent theme throughout. And to me, like you were just saying, it, it really increases the immersion significantly for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the, so again, th- that's my take on the, on the criticisms of it. Um, and yeah, as far as what's great about it, like we've been talking about, I mean, the, the, the guns are, there's, there's more guns, there's more variety in the guns. There's more, um, there's more options. And I will say that I think they struck a really good balance in, in the loot. So in Borderlands one, uh, I read an interview with the developer talking about Borderlands 1, comparing it to 2, and they said that a problem they ran into in Borderlands 1 was sometimes people would find a gun at, like, level 5 that they liked a lot, and then they just used that gun for most of their playthrough. Yes. Which completely subverts the whole idea of this infinite loot table and and all of those things. So in Borderlands 2, they went the opposite direction and basically made it so that the power level of guns scaled in such a way that you needed to replace your guns about every four levels. Right. Uh, It doesn't matter if you have a legendary, that's a super awesome gun. Once you get four levels above that, or, you know, and maybe not exactly four, but whatever, even a white gun that has no modifiers is going to be better. um, Because it just that power level difference. Right. And I feel like in this, they've struck a good balance. Like, I feel like I'm changing weapons somewhat frequently so i don't feel like it's stale and i feel like i'm seeing a good variety but i also don't feel like after every fight i have to go and look through all of the loot and i'm constantly changing and having to relearn i mean you look through the loot every time to see what you right. got obviously but you don't but ha- you don't hard. feel like you have to switch right, right. and, 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 it, I, and I
0: think it it pairs really nicely with just the gobsmacking number of new skills that are there to be able to allow you to be a little bit pickier about your loot, and maybe you keep one or two guns that are possibly a little bit subpar, but allow you to min max your skills or effects, and then a couple mm-hmm. of guns that you may not like as much, but they're your damage dealers or they're your go to for fight for your life or whatever.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how many difficulty settings are in this one. I know Borderlands Two shipped with with two difficulties uh, initially. And when I say difficulties, it's kind of like a a new game plus idea of difficulty where you have to beat it. And then you take your already powerful character that's beaten the campaign on the the default difficulty and now play through again, a la Diablo nightmare and hell difficulties. Um, but there's there's 48 possible skill points, so that and you start getting skill points at level two. Yeah. So I think that means the level cap is going to be 50. Probably. Um, and I think as far as we've gotten is we're at like level I don't know 23 or 24, so we're about Somewhere. halfway there. Um, but we're already almost to the bottom of the initial skill tree that we have invested in. Right. So soon enough. Now, obviously, we could just get every skill in that tree, or you can branch out. But I really, really like the way that they handled the talent tree in this because in Borderlands 2, um, you kind of picked a tree. And and certainly you could spec into multiple trees if you wanted to. But, you know, you only got one action skill, for example, and, you know, per character. And it it just felt kind of limited in the the builds that you could do or the flexibility on the fly. I mean, you could always go respec. Um, but in this, and now I've only tried two of the characters so far. Um, but in this, it's like you've got you've got multiple action skill options that you can kind of hot swap just on the fly, yeah. associated with each different talent tree that you have. Um, and, and you have and a, really
0: like it, yeah, and it doesn't cost a skill point. So each character gets at least one skill special skill from each, um, just by having each of the trees. So basically right out of the gate, every character has three action skills, um, Yeah. depending on how, you know, some of them are, you know, two at a time. Some of them are just one. Some of them, it, it changes how their action skill works, but essentially it's three action skills right out the gate. And then with each tree for free, as you move through the trees, uh you can unlock either completely new action skills or buffs and modifiers to your existing action skills that you can hot swap anytime just for having the points in that tree you don't have to spend additional talent points to to move those things around
1: right so like with like the character i've been playing is the beastmaster so he gets um he gets an option for his action skill to be you can choose between three different pets that all act very differently And then you also get, and so that, that pet is just always out, but then you also get an action skill. And like one of them is that your character goes into stealth. Another one is you shoot out these like flying bat kind of things or, you know, birds uh, that dive bomb the enemy and attack them and do pretty significant damage. Yeah. You've wrecked some stuff Um, with that. (laughs) Right. That's pretty ridiculous. And then, and then the third one is you create like a portal and your pet jumps through that portal and then grows in size and does extra damage. And so they're, they play very differently. And while, you know, each of the talent trees has a pet and an action skill associated. So like, uh, there's a, the pet that I use most often is a spider ant and the skill that's associated with that spider ant in the same tree is the, the bird dive bombing thing I was talking about. Okay. But I could use the dog, the Skag Dog, right. and still use the dive-bombing birds, yep. or, you know, or in vi- any combination of that that you want. Um, well, so yeah, I mean, I mean likewise,
0: really cool. I, I play Mose, and so she ha- is the one that, that digi a giant mech and jumps into it, and, and her action skills – she actually technically only has one action skill, which is to summon the mech, um, mm-hmm. but instead – she, each of her trees gives her a different weapon option, and she can you can configure the mech with two weapons. So she's kind of the gun zerker, Um but those weapons are just specific to her mech, and they don't they just scale with your damage. They don't change via your weapon effects or anything. But you can all of her skills apply different effects to them. So you can either go down the machine gun tree and have dual machine guns on your mech and focus only on machine gun skills. Um, or what i've done is i have the rocket launcher and the grenade launcher um and i've been focusing just pretty mostly on that tree but i have been taking a look a lot at like the uh the railgun tree and getting some of this wanting to get some of the specs from there um, just to grow my current class out and kind of push that a little bit further and so i think it's really cool that like i e- even though i' don't have points from the railgun tree, a railgun on the mech is still just as effective.
1: Right, right, right. You could just make it even crazier if right. you expected into Well, so, you know, and I guess this is an example of something that's a little spoilery, but um the other thing about the talent trees that is so so cool, and this was true in Borderlands 2, but again, I think that like we've been talking about with all the other features, they've really amplified this sentiment or this feeling in Borderlands 3 is that the through your spec you can completely change the way that you play so like you for example have and you know you should probably elaborate more cuz you've <laughs> done it so i don't actually understand it exactly but like you've basically identified a spec that allows you to pretty much be a grenader i mean yeah you still shoot and yeah you still have the guns or whatever but you throw i mean <laughs> literally like 30 30- It's in a fight sometimes. It is so amazing.
0: Well, and so it kind of happened. Like I I didn't realize that was what I was doing when I was building it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when I was building it, I was using random guns and just random grenades. And it was because of the grenade that I found. So we—I don't remember where we came across it, but I I found a a purple Merv grenade that it Mm -hmm. blows up. It blows when it blows up. It fires three projectiles that home in on the enemy, and they all blow up. And mm-hmm. the effect of the grenade was that um, enemies sometimes drop cash. Well, then one mm-hmm. of the spec trees for Mo's was like, anytime I deal splash damage, I have a chance to add ammo to the clip of the current weapon I'm using. And with a small chance, I can get a grenade. So what ended up happening is like, well, if I get a Torg assault rifle, it always shoots explosive rounds. Mm-hmm. Which is going to give me more grenades. Each grenade explodes and then explodes three more times, which could give me grenades. And so if I can just maximize this and get all TORG weapons like the shotgun, the assault rifle, and a pistol, then everything I'm using makes explosions, which has chances to give me more grenades. The more grenades I have, the more money things drop. And we got rich quick.
1: (laughs) We did, yeah. I think
0: that that first mission when I realized, oh, I can do this, we came back with like 150,000 credits each.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah, it was nuts. Well, and so then that also incentivized you to go further down the rocket. Tree right. Line
0: yeah. And now your
1: mech is doing explosive mm-hmm. damage. So it will refill your grenade cache. Um, yeah, super, super cool. But I, you know, and again, we haven't really gotten to play enough to 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 experiment with all of it. But I'm sure that if you go down the rail gun line or the machine gun line instead and emphasize a build around that, the, the character will play very differently. Oh,
0: for sure. I mean, at the
1: end of the day, you're still going to summon a mech and all that, right. but, you know, it's it's going to play a little differently. Um, also, really cool little thing that the the mech suit has is a manned turret seat where another player can come and jump into that turret while yep. <laughs> the player could, that actually summon the mech is actually walking it around and shooting. You can get in the back and then control another turret from there. So it's almost like a little vehicle yeah. that you can have, which the downside is, is you're not shooting your guns. So you have a little bit of a DPS drop off, right? but the other players are not
0: using an action
1: skill in their weapons and stuff. Right. But it's also a bit of a damage shield because now I'm in the mech and I'm right. not taking the damage, and you it have it infinite
0: is. ammo in it. So,
1: right. So, uh, so yeah, just a lot of really interesting ways to play. I, I, I constantly am tempted to change the spec yep. of the character I've been playing just to try it but like I said, we've really just gotten to the point where we're unlocking the final tier in the trees that we're in. So I feel like I'm also kind of like, I want to see what that is. Yeah. I've already played for this long this way. I may as well see.
0: I want to know what happens when I change from homing rockets to a freaking nuke. Right. Right. I I do. And I I mean, that just kind of ties into, I think they've done a really good job of feeling the power scaling. Like Mm -hmm. in, in the original borderlands, as you went, you, you got better and you got cooler skills. And maybe you added an elemental damage or something. But I think now with, with the number of action skills and the modifiers that are available, you're definitely getting that feeling of like, every level I'm unlocking something that can be a difficult choice. And, right. and I, I may be able to get it next level or something, but this level I've got to decide, you know, do I want homing rockets or do I want more grenades? And... Right. But that's that's good because it gives me that feeling that I am scaling up in power. All of the things that I'm unlocking are not just a minor background stat boost. They're significant changes to my character and how my character can
1: play. Right. And like we were talking about, you know, being able to hot swap stuff out on the fly. Like, for example, the the dive bombie bird things are called racks in the game. But, but the, the, ra- the dive-bombing racks, by default, do fire damage. But there was one encounter we did, and I don't remember what, it, what boss it was or whatever, but it was some boss that we fought, or at least mini boss, that did uh, fire damage. And so it was then therefore resistant to fire damage. Right. Well, one of the action skill modifiers that I've unlocked, that again, didn't have to spend a skill point to unlock this. Once I got to this tier in the skill tree, it automatically is available. So that feels like a cool bonus because right. I didn't have to choose. It's just there. But anyway, one of the action skill modifiers I have is that it changes my rack damage into uh, cold damage instead of fire. Oh, nice. So in the middle of the boss fight, I opened up my talent tree and swapped that in for one of the other skills. And now my birds are doing ice damage, which the boss was vulnerable to since a fire boss. So just, I don't know. And did that make a huge difference? I don't know. But I felt like I was min-maxing and I felt like I was taking advantage of a system that you know was was there uh and i think that's a really important thing not to to go away from from borderlands too much but (laughs) yeah this is kind of weird anyway um so like in in so wow classic just recently came out right and and i've been playing that a lot well, a big change that happened in Wow's fourth expansion cataclysm, oh no sorry third expansion cataclysm, um, was they they removed talent trees. So in classic Wow and up through the first two expansions, you had you know originally 51 talent points to spec out and then 61 and then 71. And the talent tree was getting pretty huge. Well, when when the fourth expansion came out, Blizzard decided that it was too convoluted and it was too hard, to continue adding more and more tiers to this ever-growing talent tree. So they removed the talent trees entirely. And instead they built in a lot of the, the the things that you used to pick up as, as passive bonuses through the talent tree. They just added to your class by default. So you're not missing out on it. It's just built in now. Right. And then they literally give you (laughs) every 15 levels you get to make one choice. There's there, Every 15 levels, you get three options in a row, like in a, in a single tier, and you can only choose one of those three. And then when you go to another, the next 15 levels, you unlock another row. But you can't pick two things from the same row, even when you've got, quote unquote, two talents to spend. You can okay. always only choose one option from each row. And their their philosophy behind it was that in the big talent tree, you were really only making you know, maybe six or seven important choices. Right. And so they're still giving you those important choices and they're cutting out all the fluff. Well, at first I thought that was a really bold decision and I thought that it was, that it was smart. Um, but now having gone back and played WoW Classic, which has the old school talent trees, I disagree with that. And, and I, I, the, the, the way I'm relating this to Borderlands, which I promise it, it, I'll no, land it, the it matches, um, good. <laughs> is that, um, is that with, with the old school talent trees, even though some of the stuff isn't some monumental decision, it gives you at least the feeling, even if it's just an illusion to some extent, that you are min-maxing the character to suit your play style. Right. And that you are making these cool choices that, that you actually have some agency over. And again, whether or not it actually moves the needle that much on your DPS meter or whatever, it just gives you a sense of, of ownership over the character. And I think helps build kind of the role playing and like immersion aspects of it because you really feel like it's yours. Whereas when you have this six talent thing, you know, total over 120 levels, you just kind of feel stale because you you really are a cookie cutter just like everyone else right. outside of six choices.
0: Well, and I, I think the other thing, which I mean is is a good kind of attribute for the game in the same in the same token is that, the power the way the power like scale of your character actually feels heroic, which a lot of games sometimes kind of miss on and and by this, I mean that like it, it's obvious that Moe's has some talents in her tree that are built to go together. like mm-hmm. she, her explosion splash damage, she's got another set of skills that give her bonuses if all of her gear is of the same manufacturer. So it's mm-hmm. kind of pointing you in the direction of, like, use a bunch of explosive guns. If those guns are all torque guns, you're probably going to get benefits from it, you know? So it kind of points in that direction. You don't have to, but it's just, it's there as an obvious, like, if you mix these two different skills together using these guns, you can get benefits, right? And and it's obvious that that's intended, but it still feels like cheating, Like, that grenade (laughs) in those skills felt like cheating. Not to the point where everything was just instantly dying. Like, I definitely eventually had to get to a point where I ditched that grenade because it just wasn't doing anything. But it it felt like cheating without being cheating. Like, it, it gave you a sense of power and progression. Like, oh my god, we are so ridiculously powerful. And the bad guys aren't just bullet sponges. There's usually just a lot of them. So yes. we're taking on 20 and 30 guys at a time, which is something that's a lot different from, you know, Borderlands 2, you, any more than 6 or 10 guys was a lot. Now mm-hmm. you're fighting 20 or 30 with mini-boss type guys in the middle. and But you're, you're feeling like you're doing just ridiculous damage all the time, and all of your abilities are so awesome. But the game is prepared for that to be how powerful you are so even though it feels like it's cheating it's not it's just fair it's just a ridiculous level of fair
1: right yeah well i think you actually hit on something that's really a a really interesting point for borderlands and something that that i think distinguishes it from other games that get lumped together with it so borderlands at least as far as i know kind of pioneered the the quote-unquote looter shooter genre um which kind of combines FPS gameplay with again Diablo style looting where there's tons of different gear. There's tons of different builds you can do out of that gear. Uh, and obviously, you know, the RPG mechanics through the talent trees like we've been talking about. Right. Well, so since borderlands has come out and, you know, I mean the first one came out and I think maybe 2010 borderlands two was like 2012 somewhere in that range. Um, you've had, you know, destiny, destiny Two, the division warframe, uh, and those games are all also called looter shooters.
0: Right. Uh, Anthem but, I
1: think fits that too. Yeah, you're right. I, yep. <laughs> it's, Anthem, who who I could remember Anthem? <laughs> who could forget? <laughs> I mean, it's the most recent one. <laughs> anyway, um, actually I don't know. Anyway. So but the difference is is that all of those games also try and like in some ways fit into an MMO style of game where it's this really, really long progression system and, and you ultimately end up min maxing in very small ways that, that do end up being significant once you get to the top levels of play or or the, you know, sure. But it's not, it's not, it's not the sentiment that you were just talking about. Like in destiny, which I I didn't play the first destiny but I've played destiny 2 for a lot um and it's a, you know it's a fun game but in destiny 2 you you never feel half as powerful as as you have felt Brett with the with the grenade spam right. that you're able to do um and and it's again it's not that destiny's not a good game or that these other games aren't good it's just that they're a lot more of a slow burn and honestly the reward as far as the power curve is a lot less. Like that was actually one of my biggest complaints about Destiny was that I really couldn't feel a significant difference between how my character played when I when I first got to the max level, and then you start improving your your power level, your light level, uh, through getting better and better gear. There wasn't a significant difference to me in how that felt at the beginning versus how that felt when I had farmed you know, raids worth of gear or whatever. Right. No, Whereas I definitely Warman, felt
0: the same thing with, with Warframe where a lot of times yeah. you're, you're fighting for a 10th of a percent of an upgrade to a skill or a gun or a damage. Right. Boost. And yeah, that stacks up over 50 levels or, or mastery points right. or whatever, but in the level to level moments, it doesn't feel that way.
1: Well, and again, we're not even, you know, level wise, we're not even halfway through right. and as far as the story, we've done a lot of side quests, so I I would guess that we're maybe 50 to 60% of the way through the story, but I honestly maybe. have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. It's
0: hard to tell where we are.
1: I mean, honestly, the only reason I'm guessing that is is simply because, assuming it works like the other games did, the new game plus difficulty mode would, I assume, kick in around like 30 or 35. So they right. would expect you to have completed it around there so that when you start over you've still got more progression to do um but yeah i don't it's just in those other games you never feel as powerful as you already do at halfway through the game right you know like it and and the same thing with with the character that i'm playing i don't have some crazy grenade skill thing that i'm doing although maybe the other trees offer something similar i don't know um but I have ridiculous like critical damage skills that I've got. The pets that I've gotten have continued to get more and more powerful. Hank has and... done
0: us a great number of services <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can you can rename your pet and I always name my pets Hank, so uh that's what he's referring to. but yeah it's it I, like it it's super cool like it feels super fun and and so I would just say that to anyone who might think, well, why would I play this instead of destiny or why would I play this instead of the division or anthem or warframe. Those games actually compete with each other much more directly than Borderlands because Borderlands is not designed to be this really long MMO experience. I mean, it's not that you couldn't play it for a long time, and there's not a lot of grinding that you could do to try and get best in slot god rolls for everything, but it's just not, it, it's designed as more of a traditional single player slash co op experience as opposed to these, you know, they, they don't call them MMOs. They call them shared world (laughs) shooters. Um,
0: yeah. And there's, so, so kind of staying on mechanics, there's two other things that I I really want to key in on. And one of them is, is that in this notion of being kind of a more single player slash co-op focused game, something that also puts them apart from a lot of kind of outside of the norm of the last maybe five years or so. Um, is that they haven't carved out huge chunks of the game to sell back to you. Like, right. there are... Sometimes the most exciting piece of loot I get is a blue-level skin drop.
1: Mm-hmm. Or like a different head. Right,
0: like a different head or a skin or a weapon skin. There are a lot of things that are not DLC that could easily... That in any other game, Anthem, any just any of them, are microtransactions for $1 to $15. I mean... Some mm. of the heads and skins, everything from serious in-character stuff to absolutely ridiculous. The first skin that you unlock in the story is Marcus's bobblehead. And mm. like, and it's just hilarious. So like, there's equal amounts of the funny stuff and the more serious kind of in-character stuff all available to you. And some of it's purchasable with the in-game Iridium currency, which you can't buy for real money. You have to earn it in-game. Right. And you have a special store and it it makes it feel like I feel like I'm more able to spend it because I'm not worried like, oh, well, is this $2 of cash or am I going to get more? Yeah, I'm going to get more. Spend it. Have fun with it. Buy a new gun. Who cares if it only lasts Mm -hmm. a few levels? It doesn't matter. Like, Mm -hmm. and And while I can see like Borderlands 2 had a lot of DLC and I'm sure Borderlands 3, if it's even remotely successful, will be the same.
1: Um, there's already a season pass. right there's already
0: a season pass but i also feel like borderlands 2 did some things with their dlc that not a lot of other games do in the sense that like the core game sets up the mechanics sets up the premise but a lot of the dlc is where they just like told their writers and their game designers have fun be ridiculous Mm -hmm. and if that if that same premise sets up the same in in borderlands 3 i would say arguably most of the best content in borderlands 2 was in the dlc there was a lot of good content in the main story but there was some kind of grindy bits too that you just kind of had to play through but i felt like i had the most fun playing through the dlcs and i would agree and if i'm having a great time playing through borderlands 3 even if i have some kind of eh, moments here and there. If it, the overall feeling is great, then I'm excited for, to see what happens with the DLC for it.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't bought the season pass yet just because I'm not trying to spend <laughs> right <100 bucks laughs> right now, but, but I mean, I fully plan to like next month, I'll probably pick it up after I haven't bought a game for a few weeks or something um, because I want to play through all that DLC. And, and they also though beyond the DLC, they also do cool seasonal events, which is common in the, you know, the shared right. shooter thing, but, like, they've already announced that there's going to be a Halloween event. Oh, nice. There will be special skins that drop and heads that drop that are unique to that event. So um, I'm excited that we both got it now instead of waiting six right. months. Because in six months, it won't be that event anymore, right? Um, so, yeah, just just super cool. And another thing I'd like to add to the point that you're making about the skins and, and the, the, the aesthetic or cosmetic kind of things that they have is that, you know, and again to compare it to these other games, you know, in, in, in a lot of these other games you can buy and, and in the shared world shooters, most of the, a, a, not most, but a lot of the options are premium currency right. based. Um, and they're honestly not that cool. Like, no, that's it's true. like you, you unlock a new, a new helmet, but it's not that wildly different than the other helmets. And in borderlands to, to Brett's point, some of it's silly and some of it's serious, but a lot of it is like totally changes the way that your character looks. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a really different look for the character that's, you know, fun. Um, uh, some of my friends tease me because I, I, I like to play dress up <laughs> in these games so much because I like to, to mess with the the aesthetics and stuff, but it's just a fun, it's just a fun addition to it. And it doesn't change the way the game plays ultimately, but it's yet another way that the game builds immersion.
0: Well, and it's just one of those places where people say like, "Oh, well microtransactions are cosmetic only." Like cosmetic can still be a very important part of the game. I want to look cool. Right. Like and and the thing that, you know, one of the things I immediately realized was that you have all the colors unlocked.
1: Like yes.
0: A, a, and even some of the skins that initially don't look like they change your character, like it's just it looks like it's a, just a default color palette swap actually Mm -hmm. allow you to color completely different portions of the skin or allow you to select up to like six colors for each of the different pieces. And so what first may not look like a big difference when you go into the color picker and start messing around with it, maybe it's all metallic or maybe it's all shiny. And it's just, there's, I spent easily an hour in between one of our play sessions. I think you were out at a dinner or something. And I just sat there and customized all of my vehicles skins to match my character skin by like color and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, change the layout to be like one of the TORG layouts. So I have TORG logos on my, on my car and stuff like, and just sat there and, and played with that for an hour straight and had a blast. I was just loving, like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I have all, I don't have to pay for premium colors. I don't have to, my colors are not, one-time use or limited use or mm-hmm. i'm not mm-hmm. dealing with like oh gee i wish these two colors matched in fact it was kind of weird because it, it, there's it's not it's not like a, a a thousand color palette or anything it's probably like a 32 or 64 color palette but some of those colors actually in different skins will be different colors so like it may show up as red but it could be a more kind of a fiery orange on this skin and more of like a cherry apple red on another one so mm-hmm. you just have to sit there and kind of play with it and mess around with it and there's a little bit of discovery in that that I think is fun.
1: Mhm. No, I agree completely. Um it, you know, honestly in in thinking about it, you know, as we're talking, I would say that the the experience of playing Borderlands is more like what if Halo single player and co-op was just like way crazier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of that it's kind of that same feeling. As opposed to, you know, like a Destiny, which is made by Bungie, does not ever really feel like you're playing Halo, no. <clears throat> as far as the the way that it actually plays. Um, but like like you mentioned earlier in, in in our conversation, the different vehicles that you get, like there's there's several, there's I think three different base vehicle types. There's like a, a buggy and then like a truck and then like a unicycle motorcycle the thing, mono like wheels. sort of around you, yeah. And and all of those have different guns that you can unlock and different bus boosters that you can and unlock. Armor to change. and mm-hmm. you found for the truck. You found hover wheels. Where oh my god! It's, yes, <laughs> it
0: took like it's three tiring. times
1: to get them too. Right. Um, yeah, it's like tires, and then you can press your e brake, and it flips the tires up underneath the truck, and now it's a hovercraft. Yep. And now it can, it turns and handles differently, and I don't know, just just super cool, and a, a lot of. Fun ways to to kind of play around with it,
0: and and again, uh, all of this is in the base game. Like it's kind of a shame that that is a shocking element in to to <laughs> talk about. Especially being our age and and have being gamers so long, this was the the norm for a long time. So it it kind of is shocking that they're going against the grain. Like this could easily, I, I keep on feeling like, when am I going to see? Because I mean, Borderlands Two had some small DLC skins and stuff. They were usually a dollar or two um or packs mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i am kind of like are they holding out the good stuff am i only unlocking joke heads and and no like i but i i just have that reservation because i've seen that in so many places and i haven't see, if it is there and i'm sure there will be some microtransaction stuff they've got to see yeah. pass they've got some dlc but it doesn't feel egregious it feels like a right. lot of the content is there it doesn't feel like it's been carved out and saved for later it feels like they're giving us a lot of content up front for the same price that you would pay for a lot of these other games you're getting it just feels like you're getting more and a full and a full story the story and the multiplayer you know it's all together and the skins all one package no loot boxes except in game there's like the the shift codes for some golden keys or whatever yeah but you don't pay for them right but you don't pay for them they're free and the loot boxes loot is the game so just because a box has loot in it doesn't mean that it feels like a loot box like an overwatch loot box or something so um right i i just feel like it's it's a it feels more like a traditional game as a whole in the sense that i, <laughs> right. I feel like all the content is there i feel like it's not like the game hasn't ended and this the rest of the story is actually on my hard drive, but I can't access it till I pay another ten dollars. Like, no. It's just everything is right. there. And and that feels good. I think it feels great.
1: I, I yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, you get, you know, like a like an Overwatch is sold at a discounted price and and then that is unfortunately part of the reason that they then have to monetize so many things because they're not selling it for sixty bucks or Uh, League of Legends you know free to play well how do they make money then well by selling all the skins Uh, and you can unlock the skins by by grinding but it is a really really long grind in either of those games whereas in this again we're not even halfway through the full level cap and again on the story not exactly sure where we are but we certainly haven't completed it yet Um, and already we feel like we've got a wealth of, of stuff available Uh, So it it definitely kind of, I guess really what we're describing through all of this is that Borderlands does a really good job of making you feel kind of spoiled, you know, like it makes you feel kind of like they're just constantly hooking you up and your, your skills are more exciting and the guns are constantly exciting. Um, And, and that just keeps going. Like i I will be really interested to see what we find (laughs) as we continue to go, because already I don't know how many times I've been surprised by, by the stuff we found. Like, there's one grenade type that, that that it like clones itself. So when you throw it, it creates a second copy. So now there's two. Well, I found one that also... There's another grenade type that whenever you throw it and it blows up, it also immediately launches three other grenades at that spot. Yep. Well, I found one that combines both of those abilities. So it launches clones itself and then each of those drops six explosions yeah or eight even because the two initials yep right and so then you couple that with brett's build which i did give him that well
0: you used it for a while because i was still making money off of mine so
1: but i was jealous the
0: whole time i'm like when you replace that hook me up like right
1: But like, yeah, I mean, it, it just I don't know. There's just a lot of a lot of ways that the game just constantly feels more fun as opposed to feeling like, OK, well, I've got to grind through that wall so I can just right. be even with. People
0: and I, I know like so yesterday we tried to press through kind of as much story as we could. Cause I was trying to see a little bit further into the story um, before we, we did our recording. Um but the first few days, we focused on every side quest and every little bonus objective that we could find. And there was a lot of good content there. Like, the story is probably the more serious aspect. And it has its gaffes, and it has its fun. Yeah. But... um, So, it, there was a side quest for... This was kind of in the third chapter? Yeah. Where um we were going on a quest to... Uh, recover a girl's objects that were left around the planet. And one of them was her journal. Total side quest. And I, it, to your credit, to the, to the humor credit, it punches down in a dark way. <laughs> but it does so in service of making you hate the bad guy.
1: Like It's honestly, it's the same thing they captured with Handsome Jack it, so yes, well. Yes. Two, where Handsome Jack is pretty much through and through evil and there's really nothing redeemable about him, but he, he owns it so well. Like it reminds me, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, Brad, I know I mention it all the time because it's my favorite, but uh, the, the movie, the big short uh, has a a, a kind of an ensemble cast, but Ryan Gosling is one of the characters in it. And he is just this completely insufferable, (laughs) transparent, just jerk. And, and, and at one point he gets into, he makes a deal with some of the other characters in the film and, and it's like this other investment group and the leader of the investment group like, all right, we're going to do the deal. And his subordinates are like, really? Like this is the exact guy you've said to never trust. And he's like, yeah, but he's so transparent that you almost have to respect it. <laughs> and it's like, that's yeah. what handsome Jack is. You know what I mean? And that's what a lot of the villains in Borderlands are. They're completely evil, but, <laughs> they own it to such a degree that it's it's almost funny, whereas like you know again to to go to the comparisons that this game gets, you know, if you look at like a destiny or something, the villains in destiny never are ever even kind of remotely amusing right. it's all just super dark and morose and whatever, and in this, they do such an excellent job of of blending those two things of of taking something that is serious and sometimes even kind of like you know heart-wrenching a little bit i
0: mean yeah in a destiny <laughs> you get like yeah okay it's stereotypical bad guy wants to control the universe with the magic mcguffin right. okay <laughs> great and in this right. it wasn't a magic mcguffin it was a, a, a little girl's belongings and <laughs> i hated that minor bad guy more than I hated the main characters. I was like, I can't wait. Right. W- I have to complete this quest. I have <laughs> to kill this dude.
1: Like, right.
0: it, and it was so satisfying to, to get there. Cause yeah. It, well, I think
1: it actually, it actually serves, I think a little bit. I mean, not, not necessarily with that character. Cause it, again, it's a little right, side. side character that's Important, but, but like with handsome Jack, for example, and with the main villains of this game, I think they do it as well the fact that they make them funny actually I think it kind of makes you let your guard down a little bit because even though you do think that they're evil and messed up you find yourself laughing and being a bit amused by them so then when they do something really really messed up to you know kill someone or kill a certain character or whatever they're doing it almost like hits a little harder because it's like oh right they're not actually a happy-go-lucky thing they're really evil it's
0: almost like seriousness is the subversion that, right. that like the base is comedy and yes. this uh, the serious moments come out of nowhere and you're just expecting mm. it to continue being funny and you're you're smiling and all of something some something terribly dark happens and you're like right. oh wait a minute this isn't fun we're not making fun of we were just making fun of twitch culture like, right. like one of my side quests was about cleaning up my followers list by killing co- like followers and fanatics. Like, and now I'm not jo- like, you know, one moment it's God, Queen Tyreen and ha- how do YouTube, you know, mentality. And all of a sudden it's darkness. And I'm like, whoa.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Like in the, in Borderlands 2, which I'm, I'm completely willing to. all Oh yeah. All no, of that. If you haven't played the <laughs> Borderlands 2, too bad. Right. <laughs> Um, but like when Handsome Jack kills uh Mordecai's bird, yes, like that was like, oh my god, like that's crazy. Are you you know, like I couldn't believe that they did it almost just because again, uh, throughout the game, Handsome Jack is so funny, right? <laughs> so like, again, it kind of talking, I think you know,
0: butt stallion is is Diamond Pony, right?
1: And... I think you're right though, that, that it is home, and I hadn't really thought of that, but that's a really excellent way of putting it that it's almost like the the instead of there being comic relief to a serious story it's almost like there's serious relief to a comic story exactly um which is a really unique thing um and the you know the cast is mostly there again which is awesome i love almost all of the characters in in borderlands i was super thrilled we we found tiny tina again and ashley birch reprises that role and she is So, so good. They've also
0: done an amazing job. And I noticed this right out of the gate, right after the intro sequence, when you're in the bus with Marcus, that they have done a really good job of aging the characters. Mm -hmm. Like Marcus looks like an older, like he looks like he moved from his forties to his fifties. And like, you know, and every character has aged about 10 years or so. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Lilith looks like a, a more, mature commander not the adventurous 20-something you know like Mm -hmm. everybody is aged really well in a way that makes sense and and i i kind of have a love hate i I like it i enjoy it but i I have a little bit of a love hate with bringing in some of the characters from borderlands 2 just because they they did the same thing with like so borderlands 1 you're playing as lilith and the main character in any of the borderlands games is not the center of the story The story happens Mm -hmm. around the character, not because of the character, right? Mm -hmm. So you technically don't – you play a role in the story, but not really directly. And and in Borderlands 2 is kind of the same thing, but you're seeing the characters that you had played as before now suddenly interacting with the story and making choices that – like, I played that character last game, and now they're making choices without me. And Mm -hmm. and its I, I like it. I think it's cool. But that also has to, I mean, when you add four characters every game, plus the side characters that are required to make any of those games run to begin with, you start getting a really big cast of characters.
1: It's true, but I think it's almost like a a, a nice little bit of fan service. Because if you didn't play Borderlands 1, like I didn't, I don't know who Lilith and Roland and Brick are from Borderlands 1, but I can still appreciate those characters. And so it's almost kind of, and same thing in three. If you don't know who Maya is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it doesn't reduce it at all. No. But if you do know who Maya is, it's like, oh, cool. Like, I recognize that, you know? So it adds a bit of familiarity and it kind of taps into that nostalgia. Well, and I
0: definitely like, they, they make a lot of nods. They make a great nod to Tales from the Borderlands that I. Mm-hmm. I, i'm sure actually I, I have a feeling will come in <laughs> <laughs> depending like it might it may not be a big choice but i think that the choice you make actually will like be reiterated later um right but i think that that was really fun and and i'm not against it i just feel like i don't know how long they can keep doing that without killing off characters that people like at some point
1: um, right. Well, which they—I mean—in Borderlands Two, Roland—that's true. Make it, Roland, you know doesn't me. mean? So, so
0: there is there's room for that. Um, and and I don't know. I, I'm not against. I'm definitely not against it.
1: Um, sure.
0: I I think the one thing that both of us are kind of against is in two different characters now have made real life appearances, like real action, uh, appearances in the game as a human.
1: You, you, yeah, it's actually like an FMV right. kind. I mean it's, yeah. not, it's not literally FMV but but yeah, it's a, it's an actor as opposed to the art right. animation right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's it's very rare and it's only like when they're like telepathically communicating with right. you. So you see it at the very beginning of the game and then a little later on you see it a couple of times so far but it's a strange decision but i mean honestly it's so minor that i it's not yeah it's not it's
0: not like i'm gonna stop playing the game because of it or anything but it is weird (laughs) like for all of their artistic choices for all of the other things that go right in that game i kind of wonder why and i don't know if it's gonna mean anything different later like is there gonna be some kind of weird fourth wall break or something like i don't know
1: I don't know. I mean, like, because, you know, we saw it with at the very beginning of the games. So this isn't a spoiler. At the very beginning of the game, Lilith talks to you and it's that. Right. But then when you actually see Lilith, and every time you see Lilith for the rest of the game, it's not the, the right. actor. It's the animated, you know, in game version of Lilith. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know what that decision's about. I was kind of surprised by it as well, but. Um, it's eh. just a little off putting. Um, right. Right
0: but i mean every everything else like the sound design the the sound right. and music oh my god so many good tracks like i have sat on the menu screen just the main title screen and just alt tabbed and just listened to the the title screen music for like half an hour straight cuz it was amazing yeah. uh, you know most of the boss all of the boss fight music so far in ent- entire zones all of the music has been amazing and the sound design like the motorcycle vehicle sounds like a powerful motorcycle
1: yeah it's super like like the other day I was I had gotten kind of ahead ahead of Brett on the on a map and so I was waiting it to enter the, the checkpoint or whatever we're going to I was waiting for him to catch up and and so I'm just standing there outside my bike just waiting and then all of a sudden I just hear and it sounds like a crotch rocket you know zooming up around the corner from the horizon and then I see this monobike roll up and stop and it just I don't know it's again it's a really silly little thing but it's just cool i mean sound
0: design especially with the the number of guns that are in the game the fact Mm -hmm. that there there are so many unique sounds for each gunfire each reload each click and clack of a bolt or a clip or whatever is is you and not i'm sure they reuse sound samples at some point but I haven't noticed, like, oh, all these guns sound the same. Like, a Jacobs shotgun sounds like an old-time Western shotgun, and a Hyperion shotgun sounds like an electromagnetic railgun, you know? Like, it, they they right. feel different. Like, yes. the, the four-wheeled truck uh, vehicle with, like, the barrel launcher – the mm-hmm. engine is a lot deeper and sounds like a pickup truck on steroids, you know, uh-huh. like a no muffler. And the, the car is kind of this good in between where it feels kind of fast, but doesn't the bike. Kind of like a right. Yeah. And, it, and like all of the sound, all of the little down to the, the squishes and the explosions and the giblets, all of the noises are just really, really well done. And... Or
1: like the rocket launcher you found where the rocket says "pow." <laughs>
0: that was the grenade, thing. or no, no, oh, that was sure. the gun. That was one of the the door guns that when you throw it, oh, yeah. it, it
1: it. I think it looked. I think it was maybe a a shotgun that then shoots like a grenade launcher or something right. crazy. I think that's what it was, but yeah, I don't like. There's just such a variety of of all of in the guns, and yeah, to your point, like the the different brands do. Do feel like different brands. It's not just simply a different name, you know, like in like in a, in a Diablo game or something, you might find the axe of the whale or the axe of the, the bear. And those suffixes are really just uh, really just represent the stat type right. that is there. And it's not that in this. You know, a torque gun, like you said, feels like a torque gun versus a Maluan gun. Like,
0: all the torque guns have, like, engine bits. Like, mufflers off the side or, like, a cam that's constantly rotating with little levers and things swaying inside of it. Like, it looks like a running engine. And all of them look a little different, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... I'm super impressed by just the, like... You know, again, we both love, you know, aesthetics and and the <laughs> what we fondly sometimes refer to as enjoyable distractions or whatever, but um just little things in games that aren't necessarily fundamental to the gameplay experience. But like like we found a like you found a gun in our first or second night that was a shotgun and the alternate fire was a sniper rifle. Oh yeah. And when you hit alternate fire, the barrel actually rotates hundred and eighty degrees. And spins around to be a new. Well, you the, found that one
0: last feels- night. That was a sniper rifle and a rocket launcher.
1: Right. Yeah, and then that, like, it's a sniper rifle, and then if you alternate fire, the barrel actually rotates 180 degrees upside down. Whereas the the shotgun sniper rifle actually rotated like horizontally oh, okay. around. Uh, Whereas this one was more of a vertical roll, and yeah, now there's two rocket launcher pods on top of it, but you still have the scope of the sniper. Right, right, and you're sniping with rockets. (laughs) It's not just animated for you
0: on your screen as the person holding the gun. I could see it Mm -hmm. too, Uh, from a third person perspective. I saw the barrel rotate and the rocket launcher piece pop to the top, and I was like, "Holy crap, that's awesome!" Like, and then you fire it across the screen, and
1: well, and also cool is like so, and I mean it's again, it's a tiny little detail, but there's so many tiny little details in the game that just add up to this, you know, I think really satisfying thing. Um, so, you know, when you shoot a rocket out of a rocket launcher, it expect behaves or whatever how you'd kind of expect, where the rocket comes out of the end of the rocket launcher and is then going towards its target. Well, with that sniper rifle rocket launcher combo, whenever I shot the rockets, the rocket actually like. Like kind of fell out of the barrel, and then oh, nice! So it like dropped and then ignited, ignited and then took off towards the courtyard. Like I hadn't seen anything else that had done that yet. Like just and like another thing to go back to the the skin conversation and the the cosmetics thing that we were talking about. Again, minor touch, but super cool. Is so the character I'm playing, like I said, gets the pets well okay. whatever color scheme i choose for my character my pet also has that yeah. or not like just breath. color
0: but the skin too because you, you got that like neon kind of tron yeah. skin and, yep. and while you were doing the color picker i saw your pet's colors changing and like the neon appeared and i was like holy crap mm-hmm. this is awesome
1: right and like your mech suit for your character like your mech suit matches what your character looks right. like so I, it's not just like a standard blue or well and i didn't know
0: that at first either like so i just you're in it <laughs> yeah i just like oh cool i got like a leather jacket with flames on it this is awesome you know i'm gonna wear that and my mech shows up with flames across the cockpit in like black kind of this leather look and kind of scratched up and faded i'm like oh my god that's so awesome right. i didn't pay for that and didn't do that it's just there
1: And honestly, if they hadn't included that touch, like if my pet just always looked the same, I I don't think I would have complained. You know what I mean? But the fact that they did do it, again, it goes back to where it's like the game is constantly just spoiling you. The game is constantly just like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then they do well, it. Well, and weapon skins
0: cool we unlock for all characters, and you can use it on any gun. You could put all of your guns. Once you have the gold mm-hmm. skin, you could put gold skin on all of your guns and then change it to pink. So it's like pink metallic gold skin. Okay. Right. Who is awesome. <laughs> like, I can right. customize any of my pieces of loot now.
1: Like... Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I really, I don't know. I'm, I'm really impressed by it. Uh, I think they did an excellent job. I, I will admit, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't, I was anticipating it cause I'm a huge fan of Borderlands, but I, um, I was a little nervous about like, are they going to actually execute it or not? Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, Gearbox doesn't actually have <laughs> a wonderful track record. No, I mean, that, they're the ones that did Quake, or not Quake, but Duke Nukem Forever. Right. That was uh, horrible. What
0: was the something-born?
1: battle um,
0: The Yeah, the game... The MOBA the, shooter kind of game. ended up getting,
1: like, compared to Overwatch, right. even though it's a very different, different game. Overwatch, but unfortunately, people had it in their heads that that's what... And I think to some extent that was Gearbox's fault, because I think they kind of went after Overwatch right. initially in their marketing... And really, it's a totally different game. But but either way, it ultimately flopped. Um, Well, and there was a
0: lot of drama with Randy Pitchford being unable to stay quiet on Twitter leading up mm -hmm. to it. Now, I I don't you know, Borderlands Three was made by more people than Randy Pitchford, and he probably had very little to actually do with it. Mm -hmm. But um, from a from a technical and creative standpoint, um but still there was a lot of drama. There was a lot of negativity and that did impact me. Some, I was waiting. I was definitely waiting to see originally where I was, I was not planning on picking it up. I'm glad I did. Um, But I was weary. (laughs) I've been burned a lot of times. And so.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man with the, it's not that there's not valid things out there and and we've talked about this, I'm sure other places as well. And if if we haven't, it will continue to come up because it's, it's a prevalent thing in our society now, but there's this constant outrage culture. And again, I'm, I'm not defending Randy Pitchford. I'm not a Randy Pitchford apologist. I honestly don't know that much about the dude. And I don't, I frankly, I just don't really care. I mean, it's not, it's not as if he's like doing these committing horrible atrocities against humanity or something. If anything, He's kind of a jerk, and if anything, he sometimes misrepresents. Which, or, and we'll, we can even—I'm not trying to sugarcoat <laughs> it. Sometimes maybe he's dishonest about what he, you know about what's going to happen, and like he's he done said, some
0: pretty gross things, so, supposedly. Sure. with enough with enough sure. evidence that it could be. But again, I don't—I don't, I don't want to dig into that either because he. Yeah, that's, and in but it it did it did sour the taste of it some.
1: Yeah, I guess I would just argue that there's a there's a lot of energy spent on outrage on the internet these days and if people can find anything that they can be upset about they will they will go to that hill and die upon it and um i i think it caused them to miss out on stuff no, for but sure Borderlands Three is an excellent game regardless of the drama surrounding you know the developer or randy pitchford or whatever you might think All of that aside, the game itself is still a really fun game. And so to to not participate in it just because you're mad about something that has nothing to do with you and that you don't actually know all the facts of because you weren't there. Well, it just (laughs) it
0: just it it wasn't that I was like,
1: I don't mean, you, you.
0: but I think that it definitely made me be a little bit more precautious before I got into it, mostly because so many other companies have set up a precedence of this type of stuff, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm glad that I think that, you know, the art and the artist are two different things, but I think that now that the game is out, I think that it's a really good game. I'm, I'm glad that I picked it up, but you know, there was a lot of madness leading up to it.
1: Um, right. I guess my point is just Randy Pitchford's not Bill Cosby. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not, that's not the story behind those. So, you know, I would just, I would just highly recommend that people try and, put the outrage aside and I'll probably generate outrage from people by attacking the outrage but too bad <laughs> um right <laughs> it it's it you know it's just the truth um there's it, it it's an excellent game it's a, it's a well designed game from top to bottom um I really don't have anything that jumps out at me as just a glaring complaint about borderlands 3 and really the Borderlands franchise as a whole is is really good. Like I said Tales from the Borderlands one of the better things I've played. And you were actually telling me when we first started playing that you had found on YouTube a uh like a 90 minute breakdown where a guy actually went and tells the whole Borderlands saga kind of intermixing all of the games yep. leading up to 3. And
0: and also a lot of the things like cuz I I mean I played Borderlands 2 is the one I probably played the most of, but I know mm-hmm. that I didn't find everything. And one of the things that that he did in that that kind of history, because I wanted the history leading up to the game, it was also taking forever to download, so there was that, and uh, and I was like, sure, I'll, I'll I'll check this out. And there were a lot of like the echo tapes and stuff that were in really rare locations that gave backstory to certain characters, and he gave the mm-hmm. backstory for every character, every character's interactions, and all of the events leading up to Borderlands Three. I thought it was mm-hmm. amazingly well done. Um, if we, uh, if I can find it, I'm not sure it may be in my YouTube history. Um, we'll try to include it in the show notes. But it, I'm sure if you do a YouTube search for "Complete Borderlands History," the one that's like an hour and a half to an hour and forty minutes long—that's the one you want. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was really good, and I think it 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 gave me, you know, as somebody that hasn't played every single game. Um, it gave me a lot of those, and even things that I didn't, I, I played Borderlands 2 and didn't see, you know, pieces of, I thought it was really cool to, to get some of that. Um, I do think, it like, I, I really don't have a lot that's, like, truly negative to say about Borderlands. I think the only thing that does slightly irritate me, and it's really just because my second playthrough is kind of concurrent with my first, which isn't usually the case, but you can't skip anything. Like, mm-hmm. you can't skip the intro cutscene, which is the entire intro, even past the loading, is like 15 minutes, like 10 to 15 minutes of pretty much unskippable content, followed by, like, 10 minutes of gameplay, and that gameplay is pretty much tutorial and unskippable to another FMV of several minutes of unskippable content. And it that's the only thing that bothers me is just that, like, Especially that first chunk of the game, but even some of the other story scenes, I just you can't skip them. You can't, you know. But I mean, that's that's my only negative is that I think the replayability is still definitely there. Um, because all of the characters, are like I'm having a hard time picking a favorite because I've also played through mm-hmm. like the operative is probably my second favorite, and I loved the siren in the last game. I loved Maya, so the siren in this game is has some similar qualities. I like her a lot too um so i want to replay it multiple times and pick up those pieces of the story that i might have missed the first time through or whatever and while laughing hysterically or <laughs> whatever right um and just some of that though is like eh, yeah. i kind of want to like i want to hit escape i want to just i i get right. the intro the, the intro is fine especially like the the video that has nothing to do but just announce the game and like Gearbox interactive mm-hmm. game. There's bandit
1: and it's driving, and the guy gets right. Hit
0: like, and- okay, I want to skip this. I don't need the character intro. Put me in the bus with Marcus.
1: Like, yeah, I would agree. I do think that they that it's better than Borderlands Two. Like in Borderlands Two. I mean I've restarted that game probably 6 times, you know, total, because I think I started every class including the DLC ones. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. I can't oh, wait to like, the DLC out, like, class.
0: Man, I never so even cool. got to play the psycho from the first one, I really wanted
1: to. I actually didn't play that much of it because it was melee focused yeah. and I don't really like melee in in FPS as much, but um but in the in Borderlands 2 you've got that whole first sequence where you're falling claptrap around and trying to find his eye from the bully mong And well, even that just whole take- first, yeah. even
0: once you get with Hammerlock, that whole area yeah. is very tutorial. And while yeah. the first area and the first few missions are tutorially on like getting a vehicle, getting set up, getting mm-hmm. your first weapons and stuff. It's not as lengthy. Um, or at least not as tedious, maybe. It's probably if you include all of the videos that you have to to watch and to go through it, it's probably is probably about the same amount of time, but it doesn't feel as tedious, and you start interacting with more than one character pretty quick. Um, whereas in Borderlands Two, yeah, it was Claptrap and Hammerlock
1: for a long time. Yeah, um, I don't know how valuable this next anecdote is <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know if it if it works if you don't just play through the game, but. One of the funniest scenes that I have ever seen in any Borderlands title is actually from Tales of the Borderlands, and you can look it up on YouTube. So throughout the game of Tales of the Borderlands, your character, at least at the start, works for Hyperion, which is the villain corporation from Borderlands 2. And you spend time in, like, the corporate office of Hyperion. So constantly, as as the different people in the office interact... They'll do, like, finger guns at each other, and everyone kind of, like, plays along more than, than you might expect, culminating later in the game, again, Tales of the Borderlands, where there is, like, a company-wide gunfight scene all done with finger guns where there's, like, people pantomiming, like, being held hostage, and, like, grenades are thrown, (laughs) and people are completely falling out. Like, I cannot suggest looking at... Like a a Nerf
0: fight type thing, only with just finger guns.
1: That's right, and people are doing mouth sound effects for all of it, and it's just just so ridiculous, and it's just like, what is this? And it it perfectly encapsulates the borderland, And, and it's like that. Like, that has nothing to do with crassness or with some, you know, genitalia joke or something. It's it it's just really good natured comedy, and I think that Borderlands doesn't get enough credit for some of those really good comedy moments that it like in Borderlands two when Claptrap yells no stairs <laughs> and it zooms out from the planet and you can hear it's like he's shouting it into space because it's he's so distraught. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just funny. Um, I will say actually as funny, as much as I like Claptrap, I don't feel like he's featured in this as much. I mean, you you have the little side mission where you're finding his brethren or whatever, but there was a lot more Claptrap missions in... Two. I think we... Well, and that's
0: true, but I think we've actually missed a bunch of dialogue by not revisiting the ship frequently enough. <laughs> um, Because I remember there... We actually missed some side character stuff for your character because you found like an echo or something. Because mm-hmm. I walked past Claptrap, and he just started rattling off responses <laughs> to the items that we were finding in the side missions. that like, there are some, there are several side missions that are in every map. Like, find three of a thing to get a weapon, cache or something. And right, and argue. I, I would say that arguably, like, that's probably the thing I like the least is how important. Um, Typhoon DeLeon is. Like, he's mentioned a lot to the point where I think that it's going to have some kind of reference to the story, like the main story. Um, But yeah, regardless, I think that that, that's where a lot of his kind of content is. And yeah, he just started prattling off all these responses because we'd found a dozen of these, Mm -hmm. you know, hidden claptrap things. So he just had a dozen responses queued up, and it just wouldn't stop. I, like, couldn't walk away from it. Like... (laughs) So yeah, I I think there could, hopefully there is, you know, maybe he comes back into prominence again a little bit later um, to do a couple of side missions for or something. We'll see.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, my favorite mission in Borderlands 2 is, is the Claptrap's birthday party. He wants to have a birthday. And so he asks you to go invite everyone. And not only do they say no, but they're like offended that you even thought that they might attend Claptrap's birthday party because him so much. Like (laughs) and then at the end it's just him by himself with you and he has like a pizza. (laughs) It's the saddest birthday (laughs) ever. (laughs) See like that. Like that's an example of what you were talking about earlier where it's like they're punching down because really the joke is like look how pathetic and lonely he is, which is actually a really sad thing if someone experiences that. But Claptrap is very as much as I love him, he's very easy to hate. So, I don't know. It just it's a a, a sweet little balance that they strike. Yeah,
0: no, I I agree and and I I think that he, he it also they play on the like kind of the manically depressed robot like a Hitchhiker's Guide kind of thing, <laughs> but instead he's stuck in a happiness voice. Like he <laughs> yeah. can't not be excited about everything even when things are terrible and it's 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 a funny little dichotomy that, that i enjoy it. i love claptrap i think he's great yes
1: um yeah
0: i'm glad that vaughn does not stick around too long because I, I, I thought he was main character. i was i wanted mm-hmm. to punch him real bad like in my second playthrough i'm like i need the experience because everything is starting to one shot me in this area and i am not doing that side <laughs> quest though it's too annoying <laughs>
1: Just go grind some kills. Right,
0: I will just go into an area and just kill Skags for an hour.
1: (laughs) Right. Which I do like, though, that they actually do give XP for just kills, because there's, I can't remember what the game is off the top of my head right now, but there's some other game that I've played that's an RPG where the only way you get experience is through, oh, actually, it might be Destiny. The only way you get XP is through mission. So you, eh, I don't think that's true of Destiny, actually. I don't know what it is. Anyway, there's some game, I've, RPG game I've played where the only way to actually advance is to complete quests. And so you can go grind monsters for hours and you don't actually get to progress okay. at all as far as your level. So it just it, it, it feels kind of stifling and it also makes it feel kind of on rails because it's like, oh, so then that means that the game is also designed where I'm going to be certain levels for certain right. missions because you have needed the XP in this strict of a way. Um, so I appreciate that they didn't do that here um i don't know man like i said i think borderlands 3 is excellent which obviously you know you do as well uh anything else that that we haven't touched on that you want to do
0: um nothing huge and i just until we until we get through the story i think i'm going to say if my final reservation's there but i think that even if the story ends up disappointing me in some way um i feel like even if that happens, it's still going to be a great game, and the DLC is still probably going to be really good. So I'm still excited for it. Um, right,
1: and you still got to do infinite grenades. Oh, right. whether or not yeah,
0: it's that I mean, it, <laughs> that, it's so satisfying. I was right. pretty sure for like a ten minute straight battle through like the city, I was just laughing maniacally about how broken it felt. Like we weren't mm-hmm. killing guys that much faster than normal. There was just so many explosions. Everything was explosions. Because, like, the grenade homed in so it never missed. It exploded into pieces that homed in that never missed. And cash vomited out of everything. Not just, Mm -hmm. like, one or two little packs of cash. But, like, when it triggered, like, 50 or 60 piles of cash would shoot into the air. Mm -hmm. And so it was just... I, I couldn't... I was tears. Like, I was missing chunks of story and things that people were saying because I couldn't stop laugh crying.
1: Right. <laughs> but that, that didn't mean I was going to let go of the grenade button. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, you know, I think that uh, this is a, a a deeper conversation for another episode sometime, but I think that like, what makes a good game? And, and I think there's a lot of arguments for for what that is. I don't think it's just one thing, but I think one thing that is absolutely central to it, typically at least, is how many interesting decisions are you making? And so some of the interesting decisions you make are moment to moment, such as which enemy do you engage and what gun are you going to use and those sorts of things. But Borderlands does an excellent job of providing you with fun decisions at so many different levels, whether it be your spec and how you're going to play that, the different action skill modifiers that you're going to use, the weapons that you're going to use, how you're going to take the fights, the skins that you're going to select, the color palettes that you're going to go quests with. quests like, you're going to go on. Of,
0: there's a lot right. of side quests. And even there's a lot of completionist stuff. And there's stuff that we have seen in every level that we don't even know why it's there or how to acquire right. it. There are several, there's right. two or three different things that I've seen that I'm like, I bet we can get this at some point. Some much more obvious than others. Some of them have map markers. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them don't, and I still feel like there's something that we can do with them. But we just don't know what yeah. or how yet.
1: Right. The other thing, and I don't know, that might be a little spoilery, a little too spoilery, I guess. Um Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I, I <won't>. Fair enough. <laughs> it's just yeah, they they do a good job of of of, of making it more constantly. Um where some of the things, I'll just say that some of the things that in the other games are reserved for the very end of the game, we're getting already yes, kind of in the middle. yeah.
0: I, I do agree to that, and there's, I think that it is, if this game, like, this game feels like a much more of a real sequel in, in both the good and the bad ways. And I say that because I, I think that the only other... It's not a negative. It's not like a horrible thing. It has a little bit of sequelitis in in the characters that you already know because you've already been introduced to them. So like they don't introduce you to Claptrap as hard as they do in Borderlands 2 cuz you're kind of expected to already know him, right? So mm-hmm. you don't get as much of that like pirate ship time and birthday time and all of these setups that happen really before you even get to the main hub town um mm-hmm. as you do in two and that's the same with a lot of characters you're kind of expected to already know them so you don't get to get to know them in the same way you're more or less reminded like when you first meet ellie you meet her in a very similar way to the meeting in borderlands 2 but it's just a lot more condensed and right that's yeah. not a ter- it's not a terrible thing because it it is a head nod and move on but it's also like you're never going to get that first meeting of claptrap experience again so i get that but it, it also yeah. is just it picks up even though it's 10 years later it picks up right where two leaves off like it mm-hmm. it they have the map the things that are revealed at the end of of borderlands 2 if the main story are the the things that you're digging into in borderland state i think they do a really good job of it
1: yeah, I know that some of the elements of of Tales from Borderlands definitely take place after Borderlands 2 because there's some characters that are in Borderlands 2 that die in Tales of the Borderlands and that are not not negotiable. It's not based on your choices. It's inevitable. So, um so there's some of that as well. But yeah, it's yeah, I don't know, like I said, I think it's great and I highly recommend that anyone who uh, who enjoyed Borderlands 2 absolutely should pick it up. But really if you like shooters and you, you know, if you like destiny and warframe and those type of games, this is not just another of those brand. It's its own, it's its own thing. And it does a really good job of, of of setting itself apart and creating its own little niche that it, it carves and out. Amazing. I don't think
0: I have played another shooter. Me. No, I don't. I, I mean like a little bit in some like, more like world war shooters kind of like a, a call of duty style but even then like there can be so many enemies in a combat scenario at once that it, it you'd have to take a second and back out of the situation and reassess what you're doing because there's you know heavy fire support on one side and a bunch of teleporting infantry on the other and and you've got to just step back and figure out what you're gonna do it, it yeah. some of the battles get and they're not boss battles they're just there's just a lot going on sometimes and not in like a pre-scripted you're running across a bridge as it's falling apart kind of way, but in a very organic dynamic, you jumped in and they all teleported in or landed out of a ship or flew in on drop pods. And now that's where you are. Right. And I I think that that's, it's some of the most intense first person shooter content that, and it feels, I don't think I've ever felt invulnerable like I've definitely, you take a sure, rocket yeah, to the no, face no. is still a rocket to the face, but mm-hmm. I also don't ever feel like I've been too harshly punished. Even in my replay through and my second character, where I'm going as fast as I can and like ignoring a lot of side missions just to get through the first area as quick as I can, it got hard, but I felt like I could as long as I knew what I was doing I could get through it and so I feel like it was
1: never too punishing but never too easy either Um, yeah I mean I'm interested to see what the next difficulty tier will be like because in Borderlands 2 I felt like the game took a significant hit and it's enjoyment at the harder difficulties I remember having a shield that had like I don't know I I think it was a hundred thousand health and it was getting two shots and then I don't have a shield after taking two shots and it's like I don't really understand the point of these huge values if in the end it only lasts for two shots. And the enemies are bullet sponges or
0: require
1: immune to everything.
0: Um, There is also, just for those out there, there there is an easy difficulty setting on Borderlands that you select at the very beginning if you want for a more cinematic time. They say it's, you know, in the setting it says, hey, it's not going to be a super cakewalk, but it's not going to be as punishing um so that's available too and i have nothing some people are really against easy modes and things i'm not i think it's a great thing to have in there for people that it is a cinematic game it can be played like uh more of an rpg movie than Mm again if you want to play it that way and and if not Mm -hmm. if you want to spend the time just exploring the zones there's a ton of rewards for going off the beaten path and for finding alternate ways into areas and it's just beautiful. All, all so many more locations and variety in the locations now. I think it's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of elevation changes. Yeah. Map, map.
0: The the mini Which map cool. not quite as good as a like a Doom twenty sixteen mini map for a three D style mini map, but it it serves its purpose for the most part. So, right, right, right. But, but yeah, agree. I mean, there's the qualms that I have with it are minor even in comparison to the minor qualms that i have with other triple a titles and it's refreshing to be able to talk about a triple a title in recent years that that has surprised me and that is going back to a true to form the way video games were quote unquote supposed to be or whatever it just feels or, or used, yeah, or to, used be. to be <laughs> It like you said you've said it perfectly in the fact that they just it feels like being spoiled and that's great i love it i'm I I want more
1: so well um I like I like we've said over and over it's a great game so if you're if you've been on the fence about it at all pick it up if you're already playing it enjoy it but uh absolutely I would recommend that you pick up your sticks and play some borderlands Three. certain
0: and uh don't forget to uh help us out and uh make sure if you're if you're listening to us wherever you listen to us it does help out quite a bit if you uh give us five stars or like, or vote us up or share us, do whatever you got to do out there. Um, we certainly appreciate it. We love hearing from you. So
1: pick up your sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Actually <laughs> we've both done the, the, the closing now. One other thing I would like to say is we do have a pick up your sticks po- or excuse me, a pick up your sticks Twitter. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So give us a, give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we try and be somewhat active there. So I would love to, to interact with you guys out there. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Hey NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out of market game every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1 800 DirecTV. Out of market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month applies. 24 month agreement, activation, other fees. Terms and restrictions apply.